0: Hello and welcome to another episode of All Fighters Follow Me, a Star Wars Armada podcast. I'm Moff Ted.
1: And I'm Senator Faith.
0: So in announcements today, we are very proud to say that we have joined the Armchair Adventurers podcast group and we'll be posting through them from this point on. I'd like to give a big shout out to Chuck from the Armchair Admirals group uh, podcast for helping us out get in there. Faith, you have some news as well?
1: Yes, we now have an official Instagram account. You can follow us at affm.official. Now for our Aftermath segment. This past weekend, we went to AustinCon in Austin, Minnesota, a gaming convention. And we were part of the Armada tournament there, hosted by Tim. Special thanks to Tim for hosting the event.
0: At AustinCon, we had only four people, but it was also a general gaming event, so the fact that we didn't have a big contingent coming down from the cities and still got a, a full enough bracket to have a round robin, um, I thought it turned out all right. I, it was nice to have a smaller tournament where we got to play everyone there.
1: It was also fun because we were given the option to have different lists between rounds, which allowed for some fun experimentation and just generally a good kind of mix of what you got to play.
0: Yeah, I ran a uh, Bob Barker-style Sloan list, uh, which is a two-ship, normally with Thrawn, but very heavily uh, dependent on price, ISD, Quasar, and the squadrons that we talked about with Andy last week with Sloan. However, since I got to switch lists also, I brought a pretty goofy Constantine list with that. It had a combat interdictor, which is very uncommon for people to run. It had an ISD-1. I basically made a Constantine fleet based on the ships and characters they had in the Rebels TV show, and it was pretty goofy and a lot of fun to fly.
1: So I was pretty boring, and I only brought one list. I did a Dodona list with a Mc80 Command Cruiser, a Yavaris Nebulon B, and two GR-75s that I pretty much just loaded up. One with Comsnet and Hondo, just to be a little helper, and the other one with 8R Talon, and Bomber Command center and Boosted Comms to help push squadrons out. And then I had an assortment of bombers.
0: And how did you end up doing?
1: Uh, I mean, I got fourth out of four.
0: <laughs> we had some steep competition. I actually uh, was lucky enough to end up taking first. I think a lot of that was just how ruthless I ended up being with my squadron build that I took with, which I played for most of the games. I feel like most of the games were pretty close. It usually came down to a couple, like, key shots that were taken. Um, I know my first game, it was really a matter of that I won the squadron war against another Sloan list. Um, and then the second game, I lost a squadron war to a Sloan list. And then the third game, when we played, it was... The really game came down a lot to just getting a couple ships out of dodge at the right time.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the games were pretty close for me too. I did have one where I pretty much lost solely on objective points because we were doing uh, contested outpost.
0: And I got to kill my interdictor on the Oh outpost, yeah, that so, was you! <laughs>
1: Oh uh, yes, you camped out on the station, and I just wasn't able to get those points away from you.
0: You had me pretty dead to rights outside of the objective, though. Overall, just uh, I had a really good time, and a big shout out to Tim for running it. Uh, it's always it's always appreciated when someone's running an event, especially if they don't get to play, because that's a day of them sitting around watching other people play Armada. And it's really them dedicating their time to both organize it and then actually run the event, as well as providing prizes. And Tim had some extra stuff that he really put into to try to draw some people in it. it I thought it would made it pretty fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we actually ended up coming home with a Liberty class.
0: Yeah, uh, MC80 Liberty. 80 which we didn't have, I think that's the only ship that between the two of us we didn't own yet, so I was pretty pleased to get that. I'll have to give it that a try uh, in a list soon, I think.
1: Oh, you'll come back to the rebel side. I come p- back to the light, Ted.
0: I play every once in a while. Um, you know, it's important to have forays as an Imperial agent to understand the thought process of our enemies. Don't look at me like that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, now we can head into our Command Bridge segment. Ted, you wanted to talk a little bit about the Interdictor.
0: Yeah, today I was going to talk about Constantine, um, which is an admiral that you doesn't see a lot of play because I'll be honest, I really love playing him, but he's not that good. Um, When we have Ian on, Ian has a build where he does basically the same thing like Constantine's list can do, but with a better commander. And if you can use regular upgrades to do what a whole commander does better, that's generally not a good sign. Um, however, Constantine is a 23-point commander, so he's, again, pretty low cost. That At the start of each status phase, so that's after the end of the round, after everything's moved, even the squadrons, is when you're flipping your tokens back over for each enemy ship at distance 1 to 5 of at least two friendly medium or large ships you may increase or decrease that ship speed by 1 to a minimum of speed of 1 so it gives you a little play with their speed and i definitely don't just slow ships down with that i will speed them up especially if i run into something that wants to kind of stay back and stay and stall out like your yavars I know I've had one or two games where I've played with Constantine against you, and I've gotten Yavaris in range of a couple ships, and I've pulled it in where it's trying to sit s- speed one and kind of slow roll and hit me with your nasty rebel bombers. And I can kind of pull it into me and um, try to finish it off quickly so it doesn't hurt me as much.
1: Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah, it is. No. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, but, however, the one of the issues with Constantine and his ability is navigate is already one of the strongest commands in the game so basically just saying to your opponent like hey your ships need to navigate more is not too much of a detriment a lot of the times i've had one or two games where it's really become pretty strong and useful but a lot of the times i find it's more against newer players who are not quite used to which commands are going to be most efficient at what times um so the big issue with him is making commands stick or to make his ability stick. And to do that, I actually like to utilize another um, squadron that the community doesn't talk about a whole lot, but that's the Mandalorian Gauntlet Fighter, which is an irregular squadron, which means it's just one of the single squadrons on the tall peg instead of the branched uh, three-peg squadrons, um, with its assault ability. And the assault ability says... While attacking a ship, you may spend one die with a hit icon. If you do, the defender gains one raid token of your choice. And a raid token is sort of like a reverse command token, where it says if you have this on you, you cannot use that command, but it can be removed by spending command tokens, or by... or you can take all raid tokens off of your ship, no matter how many there are, by discarding your top command dial and not getting a command that round.
1: So in an ideal setting, you could end up using Constantine to lower a ship's speed and then just keep it there with the Mandalorian fighters.
0: Yeah, the raid tokens. Um, I like to use Mandalorian Gauntlet and then Gar Saxon, who is the Imperial Super Commando leader, uh, also from Rebels. But his special ability is when an enemy squadron with intel or relay, so either a VCX-100, a Lambda, or... um, a Jumpmaster or Hawk 290, like Janors, uh, at distance one activates, it suffers one damage. And that can be nice to kind of whittle down your enemy's support ships. Um, Gauntlet Fighters are rogue as well, so they get to move and attack in the squadron phase, which means they're pretty light on squadron pushing. Their speed four, which is pretty good for a, a ship. That has seven hull, which is the second highest hull you can get in the game. Um, So they're fast, they're tough. They're two blue, one red against squadrons, which is honestly looking at TIE fighter damage output against squadrons. They're really not good against that. Uh, Two blue for the standard fighters against uh, ships. One blue, one black for Gar Saxon. And that means they have decently reliable damage output, but more importantly, they're pretty likely to uh, trigger their assault ability, which is why you take them. They come in at a really steep 20 points for the uh, generic. 23 points for Gar Saxon.
1: Yeah, that seems like a pretty good squadron ball to have. It's still super useful if the other player doesn't have any squadrons. You can send them in there to get those assault abilities off. But, with Gar Saxon, if you do have you know, another squad shield to deal with, then you at least have a defense with that.
0: Right. Um, Honestly, I've had instances where my opponent has a heavy squadron presence and they just have this seven-hull squadron that they have to chew through before they can get to me, which is kind of nice. Then, as far as some other uh, speed manipulation and abilities. Uh, a nice upgrade I like to run is Admiral Titus, who is an Imperial officer that comes with the Interdictor set, which is where you get uh, Constantine as well. Uh, his ability is at the start of the first round, so that's after your ships are deployed, but before c- the command phase, so your command dials are not set yet. Um, you may change one enemy ship speed by one. So that means you can take a support ship and speed it up, or take another ship and slow it down. And it's not a huge uh, bonus most of the time, but it does force your opponent to have to use their Navigate effect the first round um, or they could get trapped at a speed for and put into a position they don't want to be. If it's a fast uh, flanker or an aggressive attack ship that you slow down, they have to use that Navigate to speed back up instead of getting to bank the token for later options. Um, or if it's a support or a carrier that wants to stay far back, you can speed it up and make it use its nav instead of banking the token. Keep away from the fight for longer. Ultimately, the my issue with Raid and Titus and Constantine is that a lot of their ability are mitigated so easily by um, the commsnet upgrade on Flotillas or some of the other token-sharing abilities.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So like you mentioned, Faith, that you have a commsnet Uh, Flotilla with Hondo Onaka who is a who gives tokens to all of his favorite friends Mm -hmm. and those kind of abilities just make it really hard to get those uh, speed manipulations to stick then again it's not super fun to have your opponent decide what speed you're going at so maybe it's better that they're not super strong
1: it's super annoying
0: (laughs) yeah Um, but like I was mentioning though Constantine comes with the interdictor which is After the Raider, probably my favorite ship is maybe the polar opposite of the Raider. It doesn't hit super hard for its size class, it's slow, and it can just take an absolute beating. Um, It's a medium-sized ship, 90 points, uh, but it has 9 hull, which is higher than almost any Rebel large ship has. The front arc is 3 shields, the side arcs are 2, the rear arc is 2, and then for shooting capability the suppression refit which is the more popular one because it has two of the experimental retrofit upgrades has three blue one red in its front and both sides Uh, the combat refit which is what i ran on saturday uh, just just for some fun and to get a little extra firepower out of the list is two red two blue out of the front and sides and they both have two blue one red out the rear so they're really kind of want to get into that medium range and start throwing some pretty reliable shots. Uh, One thing that also is different is the suppression has a single blue against squadrons. The combat has blue-black, which is actually a very powerful um, anti-squadron battery. Mm -hmm. And I know I got some shots against your squadrons that uh, I was able to do some decent damage with.
1: Mm. Yeah. But you usually don't really have an interdictor for its firepower.
0: No, you certainly don't. The interdictor's draw is, one, that it's a very durable ship, not only, like I said, because it's 9 engineering. It doesn't have super good shields for a medium or large, but it does have... uh, 9-Hull, not a 9-Engineering. Nine nine yeah, 9-Engineering would be really cool. That would be, be, really re- cool. That'd be broken. <laughs> I'll just take those 3 damage cards off every round. Um, <laughs> but it, it can actually get 9-Engineering in a turn because it has 5-Engineering base. That means rounded down, it's still rolling 3-Engineering with a token. You can remove damage cards with a token on this ship. Um, it can take off with a token and a command mm-hmm. if you're using them both together. You can add four shields back. You can get two uh, cards in a shield. It has an immense amount of durability and just how much damage it can restore every round. It's a tank. It's an absolute tank. It's sort of like one of those old World War One tanks that didn't have much in the way of firepower, but nothing could kill it.
1: Big iron box with a gun.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Um... I know a lot of people, since it has a support team, so a lot of people run engine text, so if it na- uses a navigate command, it can get a additional speed 1 move at its uh, yaw value of its first speed. It has um, one click, or one yaw at speed 1, and then one at 1 and one at 2 for yaw at speed 2. Like I said, it's not very fast. It's speed 2, but it has those clicks, and it can take engine text to speed it up. I usually don't spend the points because I want it sitting back in the backfield, um, sitting on an objective. But the other thing that makes the Interdictor unique is it's the only ship in the game with the Experimental Retrofit upgrade slot. Uh, There's four of them. There's the Grav Shift Reroute, G7X gravwell Projector, Targeting Scramblers, and G8 Experimental Projectors. Those ones are... uh, G8s are a speed control it's a when your opponent activates you can exhaust it to slow them down targeting scramblers is another exhaust except it's sort of like a missile jamming field i think is kind of the idea um or it sends like a pulse of gravity or something like that out to to warp um missile flight paths and laser beams i i don't know the physics about that but it sounds cool it's very star warsy That, well, a friendly ship at distance 1 to 3, and friendly, remember, is including the interdictor itself, is defending at close range during the spend defense token step and exhaust this card to force the attacker to reroll up to 4 dice of your choice. So that means if you get a destroyer-type ship, like a MC-30 frigate, or a gladiator star destroyer, you get a raider, or um, or even a big brawler like a kuat star destroyer or an MC-75 cruiser, You can re-roll some of those double hits, some of those black hit crits. Um, If they have a crit that you really don't want, you can make them re-roll that die. And so it really adds some survivability uh, to not only your interdictor, but ships near it. You pair that with the brace and the redirect and the two contains on the interdictor. Uh, It can take some serious punches... I like to throw Captain Brunson, who we talked about, where you're at close to a obstacle that you can exhaust her and force them to just remove a die. Um, and Graph Shift Reroute helps with that, because Graph Shift Reroute is a token you put on the board, and after the fleets are deployed, any obstacles... You put the token down after the obstacle, so you know where the obstacles are. After the fleets are deployed, you can choose th- any obstacles within distance 1 to 3... And move them up to distance, too. So you get to rearrange the terrain of the board a little bit, um, which lets you line up a spots for Brunson or in a... In certain objectives, you get to pull the obstacles closer to you where you want them or put them in the way of your opponent. Um, I really like to put them in the way... I, I like to put asteroid fields in the way of flotillas.
1: Yeah, that's fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean, it's... Those things are pretty hard to kill with that scatter, but, you know, if they land and get that structural, it's a lot less shooting you have to do. Um, then the G7X gravel projectors are another zone effect around a token, but enemy ships that deploy within distance 1 to 3 of the token, since it goes down before deployment, after obstacle placement, just like graph Shift reroute, are placed at speed 1, or sorry, speed 0.
1: You know, that one... I have found, personally, to be not that big of a deal whenever I have to face it. I usually can find some sort of wiggle room to place my ships kind of outside the zone of that.
0: Yeah, a it, lot of it is the, the area denial. It You can certainly have some ships that you, you're like, oh, I started at speed zero, but I don't want to be in the fight until later anyhow. Or if they have a lot of red dice, they'll just nav up to speed one first turn and kind of slow roll in. It, it can be hit or miss, but sometimes it can catch people and it, um, it forces your opponent to be in deployments that they don't always really want to be in in situations. Um, a lot of the stuff I'm talking about today, like Constantine and Titus and the G7s and the grab shift reroll, they're forcing bad decisions on your opponent. Which is a big part of the game is making sure that you have good things that you can do and your opponent doesn't have good things they can do back.
1: Oh, I don't need help making bad decisions.
0: Yikes. (laughs) Um, The Interdictor only has one title currently and I know I didn't talk about titles on the Raider the other week, but I usually don't use them anyway. But Interdictor is the Interdictor title. which, Considering some of the the old interdictors and in the lore I thought was kind of sad. There's there's some pretty cool names, like, uh, I can't think of them, but interdictors, when a ship activates, that's any ship, that's your ship, that's your opponent's ship, you may exhaust this card to ready one other upgraded card equipped to this ship. So that you can untap targeting scramblers, you can untap G8 projectors, you can untap Captain Brunson. So the interdictor can hit two Captain Brunson's a turn, it gets really uh, pretty powerful against a like a TRC 90 swarm, because you can just ignore two of those two dice red shots. Offensively to, to help them out, because like I said, they get three blue and a red, or two blue and a red if you decide you didn't take the better version of the ship for more points. Um, it's a 90 point to 93 point jump, but uh, disposable, disposable Capacitors which came out in the Quasar upgrade is a smaller medium ship only that you can discard it and it lets you fire at the beginning of your activation it lets you fire your blue dice against ships at long range, or up to long range until the end of the round and it's only a 3 point upgrade so essentially the combat refit's ability to fire more dice at range is completely undone by a disposable upgrade for one round at least Um, and there are a couple ion cannon upgrades since the interdictor has officer support, offensive retrofit um, experimental retrofit, the combat has one, the suppression has two, and then an ion cannon Um, and for a long time ion cannon batteries which is a blue critical that lets you choose and discard one command token from the defender and if they don't have any command tokens, you can deal an additional shield damage. That can be really helpful with Constantine and Titus and your speed control because you or and especially your raid, because you can remove those uh, navigate command tokens so your raid token actually sticks in a little better. Um, the other big one, which is newer, it came out in the MC75 expansion, is heavy ion emplacements. Um and I know you, I know you use, you've though, used those a couple times.
1: I have. Those can be particularly <laughs> vicious because it lets you when you take a bl- when you roll a blue crit, you may exhaust the card, and if you do, the defending hull zone and each adjacent hull zone loses one shield. So it can just strip other ships of their shields and really let you get into that hull damage.
0: Yeah, I know that was one, um, it's nine points, so it's very expensive. And I remember seeing him be like, that's a super neat ability, but it might be a little expensive. And the first time it hit me, I was like, no, that is worth every single point. Mm-hmm. It's extremely nasty against small ships. It's, it's strong against anything with a redirect, because you're just taking away the redirect potential. Um, and I find it brings the interdictor from, like... You know, three blue and a red isn't something you want to be taking on your small ship, but three blue and a red when three of your shields just disappeared is absolutely devastating. I've had it, I've had my interdictor with a concentrate fire one shot a hammerhead before. Mm -hmm. And it just tears up Crying Corvettes. It's really nasty against Architens. Raiders don't have redirects, so they don't care as much, but any extra shield damage is, is very powerful. Um, and it lets them go a little more toe-to-toe with larger ships. You can get it Mm -hmm. where historically I've had a lot of problems with my interdictor gets into range of a uh, MC-80 class or an ISD of some form and it's like, hey, I'm tough like you are but I just don't hit as hard um, Yeah, and it goes poorly.
1: I like to use it on profundity.
0: Yeah, that's a a good home Mm -hmm. for it. Um, So... The last upgrade I've taken on the Interdictor is called Projection Experts, and this is a build that people refer to as the Interdoctor because it's a support ship that sits in the back and it spams engineering, and it usually has Wolf Yalaren or Instructor Gorin who give you um, additional token uh, manipulation, or they give you free tokens, pretty much, or let you keep old ones. So you can engineer, and it lets you spend... up to two engineering points, and for each of those two points, you can send shields from your ship to a to one friendly ship at distance one to five. So it let's your interdictor sit back, throw shields to a nearby friend, and then you can have targeting scramblers on there, and you're regenerating all the shields you send out. Um, so it really helps your interdictor sit back and make another ship very tanky. Mm-hmm. It's
1: just a little shield factory.
0: Yeah. Um, I haven't run that build as much recently. I've been running more board and zone control interdictors. Um, but I, I haven't really started running, like, targeting like, sort of a hybrid, like targeting scramblers, HIEs, graph shift reroute, interdictor Brunson, uh, and, and disposable capacitors. And it's, it gets pretty expensive. It's about as expensive as, like, a base ISD. Um, but it, it has a pretty strong field effect.
1: So I talked a little bit the other week about Dodonna and one of the things that I do like to use with him is bombers and when you've got bombers you're going to need something to push them out so I'm going to talk a little bit about Yavaris now Yavaris is a title that goes on the Nebulon B and its ability is when you spend a squadron is when you do a squadron command each squadron you activate can attack twice if it does not move so this means you're getting double attacks with your squadrons. So if you've got a nice bomber ball, you can sit the Nebulon B there and just have them rip through whatever they activate. Now, I also like on my Yavars to put flight commander, which during your activation, you can resolve your, your squadron command after you execute a maneuver. This is good because the Nebulon B isn't the most agile ship. I mean, he's pretty—it's pretty average for. I'd say it's
0: decent. Yeah, it's not great. at slow. It gets a little more maneuverable at speed three.
1: Yeah, but it's not a ship that you want getting too close to your enemies. Right. So the trickiest thing I've found with Yvaris is maneuvering it, making sure he's. It's in range of your squadrons and out of range of your enemies. Now, Yvaris is a really popular title. All of the world's winners who played Rebel have had Yvaris in their lists, which is kind of why I wanted to try it. I wanted to see if I could get that magic to work for me. And what? sometimes I can. Yeah.
0: Um, And there are some combos that let you move squadrons, and something to point out is Yavaris did get uh, I forget if it was an errata or FAQ, but they there's an official statement that you cannot move squadrons during Yavaris' activation uh, with fighter coordination teams which pairs with flight controllers, and then have Mm -hmm. them do do the double tap, which some people were doing. Um, And it got pretty powerful. And the reason that flight controllers is so important, I think, is Yvaris, or sorry, the Nebulon B does not have a um, offensive retrofit slot, so it cannot take boosted comms, it can't take mm-hmm. expanded hangar base, so you really need to be in the right spot to push those squadrons.
1: So with Yvaris, I like to use the Nebulon B Escort Frigate, where it has a squadron 2, command 2, and engineering 3. It's got three red dice out the front a red and a blue at the sides, and two red in the back. Three shields in the front, one on the sides, and two on the back. So this is also a ship that you do not want to be showing your broadsides to anybody. It'll just tear through them like paper.
0: That scene from Rogue One comes to mind, where the one gets just snapped in half by Devastator.
1: Yeah. It's not a very practical ship design, is it?
0: I guess not, but it's really nasty with squadrons.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you're doing a squadron command and you have the token, you can push three squadrons out. comes at 57 points and only has three upgrades, which, again, is not great, but if you kind of optimize the rest of your list, too, like I had a GR-75 where I had Adar Talon, which lets you untap your fighters after you, after um, activate, act- it, after yeah. you activate it. And, with, and then combining that with vars, you can have one of your heavy hitter squadrons hit for three times in a round, which can be pretty nasty, especially with somebody like Luke, which can deal sup- super amount of damage to a ship. Or, with my new favorite combo, Wedge Antilles and Dutch Vander. I was trying to find a fun new kind of bomber combo to do for the tournament. And then Ted so kindly suggested, well, have you done Dutch and Wedge yet? And I said, well, no. And so I took a look and, oh boy, is it fun. So Dutch Vander is a Y-Wing Ace, and he, his special ability is that when a squadron you attack suffers at least one damage, you may toggle its activation slider to the activated side. If it was already activated, it suffers one additional damage instead. He's also got Bomber and Heavy. And Wedge is an X-Wing Ace, and while attacking an activated squadron, you may add two blue dice to your attack pool. Also has bomber and escort. So these guys together, what that means is that you can have Dutch attack one of their squadrons, activate it, and then Wedge comes in and throws an insane amount of damage at
0: it. Six blue dice is a lot.
1: It is a lot. It really lets you wear down some of their heavier squadrons or just take out their whole TIE wing.
0: Yeah, the... The fact that Wedge also is a black dice instead of a red dice bomber, and Dutch has three blue instead of the standard two blue for a while in his uh, anti squad, they're a little more reliable at both roles. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a four blue or six blue anti squad with a black bomber, and then a three blue um, anti squad with a black bomber on Dutch, which means it doesn't matter if they don't have squad, if they do, they're going to be doing a lot of damage.
1: Mm-hmm. And if your opponent has the advantage in activation, you can still use the Dutch ability, because they've already activated their squadron, and just lay in more damage.
0: So that gets pretty powerful pretty quick.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, also with this list, for my squadrons, I had two more B-Wings, which are bombers, a blue-black bomber, so they definitely roll in a lot of damage yeah i've
0: had those regularly deal three damage to my ships and it is uh unkind
1: to mm-hmm. use use a word especially when paired with nora wexley she is a y-wing squadron ace her special ability is that when friendly squadrons with bomber at distance one gain crit the defending hull zone loses one shield so she helps the bombers just disintegrate the shields and get to the hull.
0: Yeah, she's sort of like a ion torpedo ability. She's very similar to heavy ion emplacements or ion cannon batteries, which I was talking about earlier, but for your bombers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also with that, I had Luke, just a good, solid bomber ace, and Jan Ors, which is a good support ship. Mm-hmm. Jan is like the soccer mom of squadrons. She just runs around with the other squadrons, picking them up from practice, giving them braces.
0: Making sure that they don't have to wait in line to get to the enemy's ships behind your opponent's squadrons, you know, until it's mm-hmm. a fair and balanced thing in the game.
1: Oh, yeah. I bet she brings bars. <laughs> <laughs> brings coffee and bars. I do Here like, comes Jan.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not a big fan of coffee, but I do like bars a lot. Um, <laughs> so... So yeah, and I know you hit me with a couple times with that uh, Nora B wing combo um, mm-hmm. at the tournament, and I had an Architens, and you activated some squadrons, and suddenly I no longer had an Architens.
1: Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: this week in Hollow Net News, there was a article posted by FFG that was guest written by Chris Fritz, who is Truthiness on the forums, um, where he's going into some detail about playing against superstar destroyers Mm -hmm. so i might give that a read so i know what my opponents are going to try to do to me
1: yep i'm not looking forward to that i
0: i think this ssd is going to be a really interesting ship i've played other games where they added uh like a big super unit like i played war machine for a long time and they took they're, like, standard robot guys, and they made a super deluxe jumbo robot, robot guy. And it ended up, actually, um, the way they bounced it out, it was essentially they just smashed two of the regular big robots together. And I think they've kind of done that with the super a little bit, or it's kind of two uh, Star Destroyers smashed together, slightly less durable than the combined total. Um, or less, not less durable, I should say, but less damage output.
1: I am looking forward to playing against it in a sector fleet or in a kind of doubles
0: play style. uh, I could definitely see that being a lot of fun as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And I look forward to it but I I am also willing to to wait a little longer and and see how that goes. Um, But if you haven't given uh, Chris's article a read make sure you do that.
1: Well that's all we have time for today. I'm Senator Faith.
0: And I'm Moth Ted, and this is All Fighters Follow Me, an Armchair Adventures podcast.
1: And may the Force be with you.